Are you a leader? Yes, you are. Everyone is a leader because we have to lead ourselves first. And that means taking on the responsibility of becoming the best version of ourselves. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help you feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Anthony Wickstrom joins the podcast this week, and he shares lessons and insights on discipline, on doing hard things, and on leadership from 20 years in the military, from doing jujitsu and MMA. This podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products daily. Hit the link in the show notes. Use code EVERYBODY at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, without further ado, here is episode 136 of Something for Everybody with Professor Anthony. to something for everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. Professor Anthony. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. I'm quite excited for this conversation for, right. for many reasons, but I think one being, which we just sort of briefly touched on before we started recording that, you uh, have accomplished two things that like are absolutely unbelievable. One being an army ranger, and two, earning a black belt jujitsu. Yes. Most people uh, like sort of attempt those things, uh, <laughs> yes. but don't get to the place that you got to. Yes. So one, I wanted to have this conversation with you because one, whenever I do see you, we don't get a lot of time to chat because right. we're training, we're rolling, we're moving, you're teaching, I'm trying to learn, whatever. Yep. <laughs> uh, and two, because I think you, uh, you have a lot to offer. Yeah. I already know that as, as you're a coach for me in jiu-jitsu and a professor, but I think now in a sort of a longer form conversation, maybe I can pull some, some nuggets of wisdom out of you <laughs> try. as to how you got to this point in your life. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get to all of that, the meat and bones, I have one very specific question to ask you. Yep. It's the theme of this podcast. All right. How are you doing? Like really, how are you doing? Uh, this week, um, you know, me and you last two weeks, I think we've been both, you know, going very hard at jujitsu and the classes have been uh, extremely tough. Um, I think that that has, um, for today, right now, has uh, made me a better person uh, because of that struggle, because of those hard classes. Mm. Um, nothing else right now in my life seems harder than what we did. Mm. Um, you know, just day to day waking up, make sure I've um, my clothes are ready to go, make sure my gym bags are packed, make sure I have classes set up. I think that struggling in those classes mentally and emotionally made today easier. Mm. So I'm doing good, doing good. Yeah, the, the, super, <laughs> the super cool idea of, of voluntarily doing hard things Roger. to make everything else in life a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. Because as, as you know, life will 
life will beat you down. Oh, it will. And it will not stop. <laughs> and yeah, and it's not going to stop. Nope. But if you can sort of armor yourself right. with anything you possibly can yes. to help combat some of those really hard times, yes. like doing jujitsu or going for a run or hitting the sauna or taking a cold shower or having a workout, whatever the case may be, not that life is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but you're going to be more mentally capable to handle those things and pick yourself up over and over and over Roger. and over and over. And again. I think that's the big part is picking yourself up. Where do I go from here now that I've hit bottom? How do I pick myself up? Where do I start? Where are the pieces start putting back together? Right. Absolutely. So now let's <clears throat> let's circle let's circle all the way back for you. All right. How old are you right now? Oh, 43. Do you feel like you're 43? I don't. You feel I younger or older? Feels like I'm 60 <laughs> at times. At times. Getting, getting myself out of bed is sometimes hard, but it's okay. Oof. It is okay. Is that just because of injuries, wear and tear? Wear and tear. Just longevity of 20 years in the military and doing this for the past 17 has, you know, take a little toll, but, you know, I, I accept it. Yeah. I accept the, the soreness. I accept the, you know, being awkward. Are awkward in some positions like okay because I accept because of what I've done mm -hmm. and it is okay yeah so yep so then with all that said let's circle back to to why you decided to join the military was there like a spark was there an inspiration so one day uh, in Hawaii going to, going to middle school um, JRTC from the high school came and they're repelling off of the building and I saw them on the ropes. They were jumping on. At your high school, they were doing that? Yeah. That's super cool. And so I was all like, I want to do that. I came home to my mom that day and I said, Mom, this is what I want to do. I want to jump off buildings with ropes and all this stuff. And she's all like, go for it. Huh. And so I joined in um, high school. I did ROTC or JROTC and fell in love with it. And then my, uh, the first sergeant there, the instructor was all like, hey, you're going to go in the army. You're going to go in the army. He's like, you're going to do this job and that's what you're going to do. I, I didn't question it. I said, okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to the army. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. Huh? So he kind of had my, my glide path. He's like, you know, I, I looked up to him, you know, who he was and, you know, um, he took care of me in high school, looked after me, but he's like, Hey, this is what you're going to go do. And I said, okay. And I took it and I ran with it. Wow. So interesting. Yeah. Why, why, why did you not seem to question his, his decision for you? Yeah, because I, I saw him take care of me. Mm. He, is, he took care of me um, as far as, hey, you know, um, is all your homework done for these classes? Have you done the right thing? Um, you know, you were late to class. Why? You know, he, he held me accountable mm. for my actions. And it was good to have that because um, I, I was growing up over in Hawaii uh, with my brothers and sisters and my mom. It was just us. Mm. And so, I, you know, he's kind of like a, a father figure looking up to him. Mm. And so, but he took care of me. He was making sure I did the right stuff. He added some, some structure to your life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this idea a lot. So you, cause you mentioned role models mm -hmm. and we always think about as young people, we want to have these strong role models, what to be like. Yes. Do yep. you think it's also beneficial to have people in your life, in your life, like the reverse role models thousand percent not to be like thousand percent yes um coming up in the army i saw leaders that were doing the wrong thing mm. you know even with you know 10 or 10 or 15 soldiers hey we're gonna do this well that kind of seems backwards 
You know, like we didn't get the job done or we failed. You can't learn what not to do, you know? And I saw that their way that their leadership was, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to do what he did. And I added that to my toolbox. Mm. And I think it's very, very important to identify that because you can only look for the good stuff, but you need to know what the bad stuff is also. So that you don't fall in that pit. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. I think having both of those in your life is important, but I think the, the reverse role model is more prevalent for people. Roger. Because obviously people don't grow up in perfect situations and perfect families and all of these things. Right. So yeah. they're, they're around more people. They shouldn't potentially be like, yeah. so they take those and then like this instructor you had, you're like, Oh, that's who I could be like too. And then you yeah. sort of mesh those two things together and trying to, you know, articulate or become the, the best version of yourself. Best version of myself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That may be. Yep. And so you decided to join the army right yep. after high school. Yeah. 10 days know? after high school, I was 10 gone. 10 days. 10 days. Wow. And your mom was all in. She was ready. Um, she was, she was scared. She was scared, but she's like, Hey, this is the best for you. You know, go for it. Do your best. So. And you knew you wanted to be a ranger or you just knew you wanted to be in the army? So I, I didn't know quite know what a ranger was. I knew what it was because of being, um, in JROTC, you hear about special forces, you hear about rangers, but you you never quite knew what rangers were. So I didn't really know. I just knew the word ranger. Mm. And so. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, I, you know, I went through, I, I became a uh, combat medic. Combat uh, medic. Yep, so I was, um, I would go out with, you know, the recon or they'll go out with the infantry and if anybody got shot or hurt, they would go and treat them right then and there, right on the battlefield. Wow. So you do life-saving techniques, um, bandage gunshot wounds, um, broken bones, everything. And you're doing that just right in the middle of it all? Yep, roger. Whoa. Yep, so, yeah gotta be able to multitask and keep cool heads and so yeah sheesh what sort of uh training do you have to do for that um so you go to fort sam um and you learn emt you become out of emtb um you learn um cls uh, combat life saving skills um um trauma how to treat you know broken bones um how to give ivs um Pretty much general, all life-saving techniques, yeah. minus surgeries. Minus like, yeah. Roger. Okay. And you did that the whole time you were in? No, so I did it for eight years. Okay. Um, I did I did training in 2000 at Fort Sam. Then I got my first duty station was at Fort Hood, Texas. From 2000 to 2005, I was with a Division Recon. There's a movie called We Were Soldiers yeah. with Mel Gibson. Okay. That was of that my unit. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so the 1-7 Cav, um, who that film was about, was uh, now a division recon unit with tanks, Bradleys now. And so um, I was a medic for them. Uh, I went to Iraq in 04 to 05, mm. then came back and I volunteered, re-enlisted overseas. And then I was like, hey, I want to go to Fort uh, Jackson, South Carolina. It was kind of a break. You know, they do uh, basic training there. And there, I, that's when I saw hand-to-hand combat. And I was like, I want to do that. Mm. And that was my first experience to uh, jujitsu and... Um, judo and wrestling and everything. Mm. So yeah, what was what was being in Iraq like? Um, it's almost twenty years ago now. Man, it's yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Every day was something new. Um, you quite didn't know what was going to happen to you, so you just kind of just you know put your head down and do what you have to do. Mm. Um, go out on missions if it's um, helping out with the community whether you're trying to go out and find bad guys. Um, so yeah, every day was just something new and you just 
you know, you get your task, you get your mission and you go out and do the best of your abilities. Do you think that there's something that uh, like a regular civilian like myself doesn't comprehend about war? Like I, I, that's not a great question, but like I don't comprehend any of it. Yeah. But is there something that there's a big misconception about or something that we should know or something that we just are blind to? Um, it's not really why we're there. The, it's for us, it's for the person that's on the left and right of us. Mm. Um, you may not get along, you may not like each other. Regardless of what your views are on certain things, it's, it's you and I, and that's what it's all about. Mm. Um, you put your differences aside, um, you, know, you may have had an argument about something, you know, that really doesn't matter. Um, when you go, when you're there, all that goes aside and it's about you, you and me, mm. the person beside you. Caring about the person next to you. That's what it's all about. So you're not quite, you know, there for what the news says or whatever the case may be. All that just goes away. It's just about the person on left and right and get the job done. Yeah. Hmm. How do we how do we carry that sense of of love for one another into the real world? You know, because you can't. It's I come from a sports background. Yep. Baseball, right? Uh, it's not as deep as brotherhood as the military, but I'm playing with these guys every day, yep. and I care about the person to the right and to the left of me. And when I left sport, uh, it was very hard for me to find that sense of community again. Roger. Obviously, all people in the military have that all the time. It's a huge issue. Yep. People in sport have that all the time. So where do I go in the real world where I can find that sense of community and love where I know that the person next to me, we may not have voted for the same person, yep. whatever, but if I'm in the trenches and I call them, they're gonna, they're gonna be. They're not even gonna ask me what it's about. Roger. They're yeah. just gonna be there. Yep. And then they're gonna ask me what it's about. Yeah. Right. Right. But I, I like, how do we, how do we deepen that sense of community in the in the real world? Like in jujitsu, we have it a little bit. We do. You yeah. know, yeah. I don't hang out with everyone from jujitsu, but yeah. I feel like if I called Wade, just randomly, I'm, dude, I need you. Yeah. He would, he would show up. I think he would. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and so I think a lot of people are missing that. In their in their life, they feel like they have no one to go to. They don't have a community, a home, a support system. So, and there's not a question here I'm asking, but maybe if you yeah. have any insight on on how you did it when you left the military, or how we can do it, or how what yeah. people may go about doing it. Yeah. So when I when I left, um, I retired 2020. One July was my first day as a civilian, and uh, 20 years and 15 days, and I didn't have anything. You know, I didn't have my phone stopped ringing and that was very um, concerning to me because now nobody needed me. Mm. Nobody, nobody needed my help. Mm. And for somebody in the military, for that to happen as a leader, you know, that was kind of your thing to help. And um, and that's when I went and found it. I was like, hey, I got to get out. I got to do jujitsu mm. because that was my my mental escape for my behavior health. That was my outlet. And I think that if you find something that you are obsessed with and your drive is going there, that you will bond with those people and you'll make those, um, those bonds that will, you know, go over to your life, normal life and help and support. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't want to say suffering, but you've got to, you know, grind together. Right. That, you know, and that, that would help bring people together. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're doing an easy task together. Yeah, no. There's, well, let's, let's stack these boxes up, you know? Like no. You're still, you still can be but, friends. Yeah. Right? You still yeah. might be homies, but there's, there's, it's a much different idea than yeah. 
when you're on the ground, you gave it everything you got and you reach down and you pick that guy off the ground. You're like, okay, hey, come on, stand up with me. You're good. Right. You're okay. You know, I think that that's the bond. That is, you know, that quote unquote brotherhood of bonding. Yeah. To where you feel that, you know, if I have nothing left, somebody's going to help me get up. Mm. And just like in jujitsu, hey, let me help you get up. Come on, come on. You know, pick those people off the ground. Right. Absolutely. All right, we fast forwarded just a little bit. Yep. Because yep. I, got, I got on a community tangent. <laughs> but we're back. We're back in Fort Jackson now. Yep. <clears throat> and did you did you switch jobs when you got to Fort Jackson? Or yep. you still were a combat? Um. So as a combat medic, um, I we we would go out and provide um any type of trainee that may have gotten a cold would give them a cold pack, some mm-hmm. Sudafed, some um, Motrin and stuff. And so then I'd provide medical coverage at high risk ranges where they're throwing grenades. We'd provide medical coverage there in case somebody got hurt. Um, so you're going in there while people are throwing grenades. We're, we're sitting on top of a tower watching them. Oh, okay. And okay. watching them throw the pin, you know, drop their grenade and yeah. run. Jeez. So sometimes they do it backwards. But uh, yeah, so we we provide coverage just in case anybody got hurt. Mm. And um, there I was, I wanted something different, you know. And they're like, hey, um, we'll give you thirty thousand dollars if you want to switch your job to one of these jobs that don't have a whole lot of people in it. Like extra 30? Yeah. Okay. And I was all like, what's the job? Mm. And there's like, supply. I was like, supply? What is that? They're like, oh, you know, you get papers and pencils and you hand it out to people. And I was all like, you're gonna give me 30,000 to switch to do that? And they're like, yeah. And I said, done. (laughs) (laughs) Done. You know, because as a, when when I was over in Iraq, you know, I've checked the block, I did everything. I, I saved lives. Um, I treated everybody. Um, I kind of did everything. So I was kind of like, Hunted down the bag I'm, I'm good, you know? <laughs> and so I felt, you know, hey, it's a time to change the pace. Mm. Let me change it up, you know? Um, because of, you know, I saw some of the, the nightmares and stuff like that, you know? I was like, well, I've already did that. I think I'm good. You were having some of those nightmares? Yeah, yeah. Sure. So I didn't quite really know what was going on at the time. I just thought it was... Um, you know, just regular, I'm having a nightmare, mm. you know, so I wasn't really quite sure what was happening, the full um, spectrum of everything, you know, PTSD and everything. So. Yeah. Yep. So the, so the back half of your career was a little lighter than the, than the front half? Yes. Yes. Until I switched over, uh, went to the Rangers. So. Ah, oh, so you yeah. had a third position. Yes. So yeah, so um, when I was at Fort Jackson, you know, um, I saw combatives, what they were doing. Um, I was like, I want to do that. And so that's when I started to, I took the course, which is a one week course, which taught you, you know, how to escape the mount, um, pass the guard, um, learn some chokes. It's one week course. And then I did the second week course, which is two weeks. And you know, you're learning triangle chokes, um, some judo throws. And I was like, I love this. And so I was like, how do I become an instructor? Mm. And so the instructors, you know, I would show up every day. Every day I would go and just sit on the mats and just watch the class. Wow. And they're just all like, hey, you're always here. Come on, come over here and roll with everybody. So I'll jump in the class and roll with people. And then I do it the next day. And the next day, every day that I had time off, I was always at that gym, sitting on the mats and just watching. Mm-hmm. And then I'd keep jumping in the class and I, you know, they're like, hey, you're always here. Let's talk to your boss and see if we can get you pulled over to be one of us. And so I became an instructor and, um, you know, then I started fighting MMA. I started, um, that, that career, um, 
yeah, and I just kind of took it and ran with it. I just wanted more. Wow. So, yeah. So you had no introduction to any of that stuff before you, before you got to Fort Jackson? Right. I didn't know, like, we heard of the UFC. Right. Like, I was like, eh, I didn't really pay attention to it. Really quite didn't, you know, I was like, eh, whatever. But I wish I did. I wish I paid attention, you know, like everybody else that got onto the train back in the 90s, you know, but I didn't. And I was like, eh, okay. But then when I saw it in 2005, I was, I fell in love with it. I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm. So. And became obsessed. Yeah. Yep. It became an obsession. Nope. It's like, yeah. yeah, it sort of has to be, right? Yeah. If you want to do anything at, at, a, at a really high level. Yes. But people, yep. people see that word obsession and they take it with a negative connotation. Yes. You know, I heard a good quote that said that you will be misunderstood when you're obsessed with something. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you'll be, and I, and I see that and I saw that, you know, when I look, reflect back and I was obsessed and I was all like, you know, people are like, why do you do that? Why do you do it so much? How come you can barely walk? Why are you still like, I'm obsessed. Like I want to be better, mm-hmm. you know, even though I can't move my right arm, I'm still trying to do something, you know, making myself better. That 1%. Right. And, and those that don't have that undeniable passion for something will never, will never, will get it. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, I no fault. Right. You just yeah. haven't found your thing yet because I right. think everyone can be obsessed with that one thing yes. that really lights up their whole body. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, hopefully it's a productive, healthy thing. Roger. Roger. Yeah. Uh, for me for a long time, it was baseball, right? Yeah. Then it became professional wrestling. And now I think yeah. I'm obsessed with jujitsu. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it it happens. It's, it's cool because, you know, you feel like even when you're sore, you're tired, you yeah. don't want to do it, but you feel like you want to get, there's something bigger that's telling you to just get up. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, have you ever read Atomic Habits? No. It's a, it's just a book by James Clear about habits. And he basically mm. says you have to master the art of showing up. Mm. And once you've yeah. mastered the art of showing up, then from there, it's like, well, you can, then you can. You can optimize and tweak anything you want because you know you're going to show up. Yeah. If you're not going to show up, you can't optimize anything. You can't get better at anything because you haven't shown up yet. Right. But if you master that art, then it's like, cool, what can we do from here? Like yeah. you said, 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%. Yeah. Just walk through the door. Yeah. Especially at, at this facility and <laughs> at Royal Art, right? If you walk through the door, someone's going to help you get Something's going to happen. Yep. Absolutely. But, <clears throat> all right. So then, uh, then you became obsessed with uh, basically martial arts. Yes. Yep, I was doing everything. I was going to different gyms. I was, you know, um, still working for the army, though. Yeah, yeah. So my whole job was just to teach mm. fighting. We had our own gym. We had everything, you know, um, heavy bags, um, tie bags, everything. We had a staff, and every week we would get new people to come in, new soldiers that would run through the course, and yeah, just fell in love. And then we would always have, you know. Um, black belts that were joining the army and then we'd get them to come to the gym. We would be able to roll with them. Mm. We'd have wrestlers that were coming into the army. We get a chance to roll with them. So it was a, um, kind of a big, um, opportunity that was just kept rolling through the doors for us. And I just took it and I used every bit I could. And you're doing striking, grappling, all the above. Everything, everything. So, and then when did you decide that you wanted to actually compete? Just one day. Just one day? One day, I'm just, I was just sitting at my desk with the other instructors like, I want to go fight. <laughs> and they're like, okay, let's do it. You know, and they're like, well, where do we start? And so I went on the Google machine and just put MMA matches, 
um, you know, in South Carolina. Mm. And then up popped a, um, it's called the ISCF, which had like all the registered fighters and everything. And on there it had just a huge amount of open tournaments. Oh, not open tournaments, I'm sorry, open um, MMA fights. You know, we're like, hey, we're looking for, you know, male, females of this weight classes. And so I just copy paste. I copied everybody's um, email addresses, the promoters, put them on the email. And I said, hey, I'm a, vet, I'm a, I'm a uh, soldier and this is my weight. This is how long I've been training. Would love to be on your, um, your card mm. sent. And right then, boom, just started getting contacts. Really? Yeah. They were like, hey, we'd love to come to Virginia. We want you to come to Georgia, um, Louisiana. And so I was like, okay. So we just kind of picked one. Like, hey, let's take this one here in Georgia. And like, okay, let's get ready for it. How'd you train for that? <sighs> Daily. Yeah. Hard. Um, just mixing it all up because we didn't know what to expect. You know, you, you train stand-up as much as you can. You train your wrestling. You train your jiu-jitsu. And just do everything you can, 110% and then some. And give it everything you got. And it was, it was bad. It was rough. You know, but being in the military, we had access to swimming pools. You had access to gyms. You had access to personal trainers. Mm. So it was, you know, because um, soldiers are certified in those things. You know, we were able to utilize our certifications to help us. Right. So, yeah. And then fight number one. What was that like? Um, nerves? It was, yeah, extremely nervous. Didn't know quite know what to expect. Is this like an open weight class at this point? No, um, I was 185 and I fought at 170. Oh, you got lean. Yeah. Yeah, I was a skinny well, you're like, what? you're like 205 now, aren't you? Um, 215-ish now. 215-ish. So, yeah. So, yeah, it was an experience. It was um, being able to go down there and face my fears. And, you know, there's nothing like being locked in a cage with looking across another guy that's ready to punch you in the face and knock you out. I, you know, so you got to be able to match with him. So, yeah. So, But I, I won by triangle choke. Um, and that was the spark of it that just made me okay we can actually do this yeah and just get going interesting so, yeah that's amazing yeah. i always think about with like mma fighters the the level of intensity you have to have but also at the same time you have to be extremely calm controlled chaos i love that uh yeah. just that dichotomy yeah um yeah I tell my baseball players it's about having relaxed intensity. Yeah. Because no, they're young. It's obviously not the same as being in a, a cage with another grown man who's trying to hurt you. Yeah. But with the nerves and But you want to yeah. be intense when you play. Yep. But also like it's like nothing. Like, oh, this is cool. Yep. Then like, oh, what's up? You yep. know? But with a fighter, it's like, it's like ranched up to another level. Because right. you have to be willing to inflict a serious amount of violence on someone else. Yep. But also be in total control of it. Roger. Yep. And training that, you know, and, yeah. you know, Hey, you know, um, you're, you're bringing hard sparring partners that can actually take a punch and, you know, and you try to match it. You try to make sure that, you know, um, overwhelming of, um, you know, chaos at that moment, you try to replicate it mm. in there in your training. And that way, when it happens in the fight, you've already been there before. Mm. Like, okay. I've already had this guy on top of me, hitting me, punching me, elbowing me. I've been here. It's okay. Let me get out, you know, because you don't want to experience something in the cage that you have not trained for. Right. You know, so you always try to replicate that chaos. Yeah. So kind of like jujitsu, right? Like, oh, we're going to start from the rear mount. Oh, 
okay, this guy's got my back. Right. But that way, you know, you're learning your defense. You're you're comfortable in there. That way, when it happens in a tournament, I've been here before. It's okay. Mm. I'm all right. I'm not going to die from this. He's not going to choke me out. Mm. So, yeah. So, you just try to replicate it. Yeah. And then how many fights did you have? Or how many fights have you had? Um, uh, What am I? Ten and four? Mm. So... Yeah. In, in MMA? Yeah. Specifically? Yep. I was ranked uh, 64 in the nation. Wow. So, yeah. Sheesh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knew you were a bad man, but... Oh, yeah. But, but a very nice guy. Very nice. Yeah. yeah Even so though I look mean, everybody's like, oh, you look so rough and... Really? Yeah. But I'm like, I'm the nicest guy. Is it because your ears? They think I you think look the rough? ears and, you know... I think your face in general and... looks very nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You always smile when people walk in the door. Right? You always say hi. Yeah. I, I think because, you know, the mats, you know, and rolling is something different than, you know, being a nice guy sometimes. Well, of course, you're, you know. you're an athlete. You know how to flip a switch. Right. So I think they kind of take that and turn that over to mm. how you normally are. Mm. So everybody's kind of, oh, you know. Standoffish. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, I'm the nicest guy. I promise. Yeah. You're lovely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sweetheart. Yep. But interesting. Okay. Yeah. So then thinking back on your, on your career in the military... Um, was there, was there any mention while you're in the military of your mental health or taking care of that? What, what was some, what was some of that stuff like? Um, there were always, um, asking, Hey, you guys, um, anybody having issues? There was always like programs. We would always have people come talk to us mm -hmm. in, um, large group settings and, but none of us really wanted to. Nobody really wanted to come up and say, Hey, I'm having nightmares, you right. know, cause they don't want to be like, Oh, what's wrong with you? You know, you're, 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 are you the weak link here? Right. You know, not knowing that that's strong to do that. That's mm -hmm. strong to come up and say that you needed help. You know, but of course I was that one person that, no, I'm an MA fighter. I have all of these, boom, 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 accolades, you know, I don't need that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely was wrong. Do you think there, do you think there could be more of an emphasis on it? Um, I think, I think they do a good job. Um, the parts that I've seen um, when I was in, that they were always asking. They were always trying to get out to us, to talk to us. Um, there was always a way of communication to get help. Right. It's just the individual just taking that pill and stepping up and doing it. Yeah. Coming up on the net and like, hey, I need some help. Right. You know, before it gets too out of hand. Yeah. Because if you, if you frame it in a way that if you, if you start to prioritize, you know, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, all of that, it only just makes you a better version of you. Absolutely. But there's obviously been a stigma for a really long time around our mental health that if you have any sort of issue whatsoever, you're just this like weak yeah. person and you can't be trusted with anything. But yeah. instead, if you connect with people, talk about how you feel in, in a certain settings, right? It's, yep. not, it's not for all settings all the time, but in certain environments. And then you prioritize that mental health, physical health, all of that stuff. You become a better version of yourself. Oh, a better absolutely. soldier, a better MMA fighter, a better dad, a better friend. A thousand percent. And so I think if it's switching to that now, like with all the work that people are doing, but I think it, in some of these really intense professions, like the military, we have to be a certain type of, you have to do a certain type of thing that the normal person is not capable of doing probably. Roger. Uh, that still needs a little work because it's sort of, you're, you're, you're kind of, uh, towing a very fine line, right? We're going to war at some, at some point. Yep. And so we, we have to be able to do that still, but when people come back from that, we have to have a, a way to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. To decompress. And because losing a yeah. bunch of veterans to suicide is 
the most heartbreaking thing of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Because, absolutely. yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day about it, and this guy, this, it's called the 7X Project. Hmm. These former Navy SEALs are running seven marathons on seven different continents in seven days. Oh, nice. For, for veteran mental health. Nice. And they're raising money, and I'm like, wow. One, I don't know if I could do one marathon in seven days. <laughs> right. These guys are beasts. But they they were saying, talking about you know how how more um, veterans have died by suicide than in actual combat in like yeah. the last long time. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like twenty two a day. That's yeah. what it is. Um, I know that there's um, organizations like uh, Mission Twenty Two mm -hmm. that tries to help combat yeah. um, veteran health and the suicides. Yeah, and I think a lot more people are talking about it and doing mm -hmm. it and asking for help and saying that it's important and giving it to the the people in the military now so they can be their best selves that when they go on to be a civilian or they hang out with their wife or their kids you know yeah it's it's uh that's important yeah absolutely you know so absolutely but <clears throat> all right now let's talk about what you learned from being in the military lessons tactics leadership skills things you want to pass on, things you still use today? One, one adaptability. Mm. Adaptability. And you, because in the military, you know, you don't, you may have additional tasks, additional jobs. So you might have your um, job, let's just say supply, mm -hmm. but you're going to be tasked to do ranges, running gun ranges. Um, you may be a task to be um, a sexual assault um, advocate, you know, mm. so somebody they've been sexual assaulted, they come to you. So you have to be able to, be able to wear different hats. Mm. And I think coming outside of the military into the civilian, that I'm able to adapt to different environments. That whatever you know, the environment here in this gym is different than the environment at Royal. So I'm able to adapt um, into those settings and be comfortable where I'm at. So I'm able, you know, you're able to see or read the room better mm. and be able to be comfortable and, you know, um, talk or teach or whatever the case may be, whatever you're doing, your mission is, you're able to adapt to those situations. Mm. And I think that is one of the best things I took out. Being adaptable. Being adaptable. Amazing. And being okay with it. Yeah. Even though it's uncomfortable, but you're still adapting. You're right. okay. You know? I mean, yeah, it's like, how do you get to a point where you can be comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. absolutely and that's basically what we've talked about the whole time right doing yep. stuff that makes you uncomfortable yep and then trying it voluntarily voluntarily every day. and keep coming the next day to do it again yeah it's, it has to be voluntary if it's not voluntary then you're just you're you're something bad is happening to you and that's roger. not good roger then that's uncontrollable and unpredictable and you need help and whatever it is but if you're voluntarily doing it Yep. then it's a different it's a different yeah. situation you're accepting it and right yeah, absolutely and you're facing your fears yep. and um, when you do that, they, uh, they say that you don't get less scared, but you get more brave and that apparently mm. there's a big difference. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What else? Adaptability was one. Anything else yeah. that comes to mind? Um, just being a leader, I think that just stepping up and being that one person that kind of sticks out a little bit mm. that, you know, taking charge, taking ownership of things, um, you know, like leading the class, you know, it, I'm up front. This is me. I'm taking charge of the class. We're going to start our warm-ups. This is what we're going to do. And then teaching the technique. You know, hey, I'm in charge. You know, you have the structure of the class and you hold everybody to the standard of the class. Mm -hmm. You know, you, um, you're teaching and you're taking control. 
And I think that is, you know, some things that people have never led before or never had the opportunity to lead anybody or be in front of a class. And I think that being in the military, we're always teaching from day one. Once you're taught something, you're able to go back and regurgitate and teach the next person below you that same job. Mm -hmm. And I think that learning how to be a leader, how to teach and coming here on the outside is, you know, very easy for us or easy for me to teach because I've been doing it since I've been like 18 years old. So I think leadership, being okay to be upfront, taking ownership, responsibility, accountability, what I'm doing is huge. Yeah. And I don't think a regular civilian gets the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Unless, unless you're in that field, mm. you know, but not everybody gets to do that. Yeah. Unless they're actively trying to put themselves in those situations. Right. Yeah. yeah and then of course you, you've built a, a large sense of confidence in yourself because of that. Yeah. Because I failed already. I failed before teaching. I failed already at doing something, you know? So right. now I know what not to do. Or I've seen somebody fail at it, so I already know what not to do because he fell in that pitfall, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing about being a leader, right? It's a, it's a public-facing thing, yeah. and you're in front of people, yeah. and you don't just know how to be a leader, and then you're good to go, right? You, right. Just, you have to start leading people yeah. and literally fall flat on your face where the group of people you're trying to lead are looking at you like, yep. we, we're not, why would we follow you to do anything? Right. And then you're like, okay, I got to figure out my message. I got to figure out what I'm saying. Do my words line up with my actions? Yep. Am I communicating effectively? Do I feel like I'm embodying those words or am I just saying stuff to say stuff? Right. And then you figure it out as you go. But you yeah. know, I don't, like when I started doing this podcast, I didn't know how to ask a question, <laughs> you know, without cutting someone off or like, yeah talking over them or say talking too much or whatever the case may be is you just you just learn and yeah. people can go and look back at all those episodes and be like yeah those are bad and i'm like yes yep. that's why they're still there for the public to watch so when yeah. someone's like oh i want to start a podcast good start it yeah. you're gonna be really bad <laughs> start it you want to start jujitsu good you're gonna be really bad you're gonna be really bad you yeah. want to be a leader good lead yourself first yeah. and see how that goes start doing the things you want other people to do and act like that best version act like that leader and then People will follow the people will follow you before they follow the message. Yep. And then what's your message? Well, then you have to think about it that deeply, yeah. like what your values are and all that stuff. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, you've learned over twenty years to be a leader. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. What What do you think? What sort of uh, qualities or characteristics is, does a good leader have? Or what think? What do you have that makes you a good leader? I think because I can. Because I start at the bottom, right? You, you always start at the guy that's pushing the broom. You mm -hmm. always start with the guy with the mop, mm -hmm. you know? So you always, you lead by example. So you always say that, you know, um, never do as, do as I do, not as I say. Mm -hmm. So if, if you see me mopping, I mopped as a leader, then you should be able to mop as the lowest person. Right. So always lead by example. Always put yourself out there so they can see that you do it first. Right. And that way they build the confidence in you. Okay, hey, my leader is picking up trash. He's picking up a cigarette butt off the ground. I should probably be able to do that too. Mm. You know, and always just set the example. And if you do it, your subordinate should be able to do it. So make sure you're always on your P's and Q's and always doing the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, no one's going to lead somebody that, you know, walks into a wall. You know, <laughs> like you navigate around it. Okay, here. You know, it's always taking and take care of your men, always taking care of that person below you, Yeah. you know, um, which I saw a lot of people that would allow their soldiers, you know, I don't want to say be abused, but, you know, like, hey, give him, give me firm task. You know, hey, 
you know, he's your hard worker guy. Hey, give me him. So I'm going to use him to go clean up brass or go mop the floors or something like that. Mm. You know, um, I would never allow that. You know, I was like, hey, nope, you're not using my guy. What do you need him for? You know, I'd always take care of my guys. Right. Always. And I think that that also builds that trust and confidence within the leadership. Mm. So, you know, always put yourself, um, never put yourself first, but always take care of your bottom guys. Your, your lowest guys, always take care of them. Set the example for them. It does. It, it doesn't also make it important that if you fall short as a leader, your people underneath you are forgiving and give you another chance because you've already built up this strong yeah. reputation yep. with them. Yeah. And then you guys won't let you fail either. Mm. If they see like, hey, we're we're not going to make our you know stack in the boxes. We're not going to make it in time. Well, hey, hey, you know, let's, let's work on something. You know, let's work extra hard. Let's yeah. you know work a, you know a little bit longer for our boss. You know. And it's okay, you know? So if the soldiers see you or your, your workers see you, you know, giving 110% effort for them, their output will be 110% for you. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. What do you think about discipline? I think it's mandatory to have throughout your whole life. Discipline is mandatory. It's mandatory. You got to. It might be the title of this episode. You know? Um, you got to have discipline when you first wake up, you know? So, um, like Professor Ricardo, he asked me, and Evelyn asked me, you know, what do you do to be so disciplined to wake up and go to the gym every day? Then you come to jujitsu, you work out, you work hard, mm -hmm. and you do it every day. And, you know, I tell him that, you know, I wake up, well, before I go to bed, I fold my clothes and I say something nice about it. About your clothes. About my clothes. Yeah. Okay, this is my favorite Ranger t-shirt. Or, you know, it's my favorite jujitsu shirt. Fold it up. Okay, I'm going to look really good in it. Yeah. You know, oh, this is my favorite shorts. You know, it's leg day. So, here you go. I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to look good when I wake up and put this on. I'm going to feel really good. Mm. I can't wait to get to the gym to work out in these. Wow. Then when I wake up, all those emotions and everything's attached to that. Mm. So, now when I wake up at 545... And I look at my clothes, oh, I'm gonna look good. That's what I, okay. Put mm. my shirt on, put my shorts on, okay, I, I feel good. Yeah. Because there's, um, I think because there is, um, mentally I put something good to it. Right. You know, not the, oh my gosh, I gotta do this again. I gotta, you know, drag myself up. Oh, I'm gonna be so sore. But no, versus, oh, I'm gonna look so good. I can't wait to get there. I'm attaching kind of a motivation to that. Right. And that way, that helps me out. That's how I get through the workout. That's how I get through almost my daily that, okay, here's my favorite gi, you know? And, okay, I'm going to wear this one. You skis, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Trying to keep up with Nancy, so. Oh, she's got fresh ones. Yeah. yeah. But also, by putting on your clothes in the morning, the night before, you're creating yep. less friction. Yes. So, yes. there's one less step you have to do to actually get to the gym. Absolutely. All you have to do now is put on those clothes. Yep, put on those clothes. Go look for them. You nope. don't have to find them you don't know what right. am i gonna wear are my clothes in the wash they dirty okay they're dirty i'm just gonna go back to bed. right and i think that goes back to being in the military that you know hey we have our uniforms you have your uniform pressed ready to go you always hang it up mm -hmm. so that way you know where it's at you know okay hey i'm waking up i have pt and then i may have to wear you know um a certain uniform for that day i already have that prepped so i know exactly where to go it's already done and there's no thinking really about it and I just kind of converted that back over to what I do now. Okay, hey, I have my gym time. I have geese for this gym. I have geese for this gym. I have a gi to, um, for open mats or whatever. Then I have the gi for that. 
So I kind of already kind of set myself up for success. Mm. And now what about on the days where you're just not feeling it? Are there days like that for you? How oh, do, I have a lot of them. How do you, how do you still get up and get at them? <sighs> I just tell myself I have to be better. I have to. Somebody else is doing it. Why can't I? Mm. Am I, am I dead yet? No, I'm not. I can still move. Go. Mm. And even though I, some days, you know, I pack my bag and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I can't believe I'm doing this. We're going to go do this. And I throw my bag on and I leave and I go out the door. Mm. And it is okay to accept that I don't want to do this, but I am also telling myself I'm going to go do this. I'm physically going to go do this. Right. It is okay to be not wanting to sometimes, but I'm going to go do it. I'm going to beat that doubt. Right. I'm going to take that doubt and be like, you know, hey, you're sore. Be comfortable. Take a hot shower versus a cold shower. You know, it's okay. No, it's not. It's okay. Be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Continue to move forward. Yeah, you're just, you're, you're manually creating that yeah. activation energy. Yeah. Because we know that feelings follow behavior, mm -hmm. not the other way around. Absolutely. So, and motivation is just like a fleeting, dying emotion that we can't rely on. Roger. When, if some days I feel fired up, wake up and like, oh, yeah. let's go, baby. Yeah, that's like, time. let's go. That's like once every 30 days. Yeah. So if I just yeah. waited for that day to do any of my work, to run any of my businesses, yep. they would be failing and I'd probably be homeless. Yeah, absolutely. But since I know what my North Star is, which whatever it is for you, for anyone, you have to know what that North Star is. So on the days where you don't feel motivated, which is the majority of them, you've created a set of discipline, yep. which is mandatory, right? Yep. You have a set of routines like you do, yep. close out. What am I going to say to myself? How do I keep myself going even when I don't feel like it? All of those yep. things are much more important than just relying on this, this idea of motivation. Yeah. As Jocko would say, I don't know if you listen to Jocko. Once in a while. But he says, discipline eats motivation for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Do you like Jocko? I do, I, li I like listening to some of his stuff. You yeah. listen to his pod? Once in a while. They're long, they're long ones. Yeah. But yeah, he, I, he's, he seems pretty awesome. Yeah. He yeah. seems pretty awesome, yeah. Loves jujitsu and talks about the dis discipline. Absolutely. Right? And extreme ownership. I yeah. mean, come on. Nothing better. Beautiful. Um, uh, what else? Anything else that, you, um, that you've learned over the years that you feel like is important to share? Adaptability, discipline, the leadership skills. Oh. And just staying focused. Just, you know, what is, what is your 25 meter targets? Mm. What is your, your thing that you can accomplish right now at that moment? Mm. You know, not having a, you know, your 300 meter target, you know, is that year range. You know, okay, if my 300 meter target is my year goal to get something accomplished, but what is my 25 meters? What is the one that's in right now? Is it making my bed? Mm. Is it putting my dishes away? You know, um, is it studying for a test? You know, what, what is that, that short little goal that's right in front of you? Accomplish that. Don't be like, oh, you know, that's, you know, I'll accomplish that here later. You know, kind of push it to the side. You know, and try going to the next step. Accomplish that first goal. Mm. I think it was on, um, there was an admiral that said, you know, the first thing you do is wake up, make your bed. Mm -hmm. That first little task. So if that's your 25 meter target, you know, then you complete that first task of the day. Now what's your next one? You know, complete that. Don't go to your next step. You know, complete your, your minor task to complete your major task. Right. And I think prioritizing. Prioritizing your, uh, we call it prioritizing work. You know, your first thing that we do, you know, is security. Make sure security's set up before you go to sleep. 
um, make sure um, you eat before you go to sleep. You know, make sure you do hygiene before you go to sleep. You know, um, I think a lot of people, you know, may skip, you know, a couple steps and then go straight to bed. Mm. You know, whether you're prepping for tomorrow, whether you're food prepping, whether you're washing clothes, washing your dishes. Some people may just skip some of that, skip all the priorities of work and just go straight to bed because that's where they're comfortable. Mm. You know, don't skip. Maintain your, uh, your discipline and knock out those little minor targets that you have. So that way, when you lay your head down at night, you feel accomplished. Mm. So I know sometimes when I do not accomplish things, it weighs on me at night. It's hard for me to go to sleep. Like, oh, I did not complete that task. I didn't prep for this. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to make up for it somewhere down the road. Do I have to wake up extra early now to make sure I do X, Y, Z, or is it gonna cut into my my afternoon nap? after three classes of jujitsu, mm. you know? So somewhere down the line, I'm gonna have to make up for that. So just make sure that you have your priorities of work set. Yeah. And your discipline. Beautiful. Because those, those little tasks and those little wins, they add up to an yeah. unbelievable amount of difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that might be your end goal, is to not, those little tasks, once you're done with those goals, that might be your end goal. Right. You know? So it may add up to something, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Outside of um, doing jujitsu, is there anything else that you do for your for your mental health or your behavioral health? No, no. Right now, it's just jujitsu. That's my my outlet. It's been my outlet since two thousand five. Um, and yeah, that's it works well for you. It does. Yeah, it does. So, and I know you're you're trying to do now some jujitsu tournaments. Yes. Is the, what's the preparation for like that, like in different from an MMA tournament and what, when's the next one that you're trying to compete in? Uh, so the next one will be ADCC uh, in June here in Dallas, the ADCC Open. That's a big one, right? ADCC? Yeah. Yeah. So I did the one in Vegas. Um, I thought my, my prepping was good. I just lost by two points. Hey, but it's okay. I learned from it. And I want to go back and do it again. Um, it's going to start ramping up here in March. You know, I'll take Mondays off so I can go train at various gyms to mm. start getting ready to work with different coaches, um, work with Igor at Soul Fighters, work with um, Carlos uh, Delino down in uh, BTT, down in Irving. So just get a variety of um, outlooks because, you know, everybody's jiu-jitsu is different. Right. Get a different outlook from everything to start prepping for it. So, you know, I don't know what I'm going to step into on the mats there. So I got to be prepared for everything, but also get my game down too. Yeah. So are you trying to, for, for this sort of high level that jujitsu that you're doing, are you trying to get really good at one or two specific things? Or are you trying to broaden your whole game? I think broadening the game to where it's not an overload. Mm. Also know my game, get it, make sure I have my game down, but also broaden it to where I can defend things. Mm. So you're not unfamiliar with certain Roger. Yeah, like you know, I might not know, you know, exactly, you know, all the pieces, how it goes together, but at least I know how to one or two pieces, how to get out or identify what's about to happen mm. so I can be two steps ahead. Mm. So that way my game can take over and play. And that's the benefit of working with a bunch of different coaches because Roger. they each have a, a strong portion of their game that you're trying yeah, to learn. You know, from. they may look at something totally different mm. and now, you know, it's like, okay, I didn't think of it that way, you know? Or, you know, hey, if they do this, you know, hey, step around, go to the back this way. Mm. So it's just different ways to look at things and different ways to better myself and creative thinking. Hell yeah. So, yeah. I have two more questions for you. All right. One is, what did it, what did it feel like? Because I was very new to the gym. 
when you earned your black belt. Yes. And I know you've been doing jujitsu now almost eight, 18 years. Almost, yeah. September of 18. What, what is that? What does that feel like? 18 years of hard work, grind, sweat, and someone like Ricardo gives yeah. you your, your black belt. I, I can't, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Um, it's not that you made it to the top. Right. It's now that I, you know, I, I earned it, but now it's like I'm seeing things new now, mm. different limelight, different things. Um, so it's kind of like learning all over again. Mm. So it's, it's really interesting because, you know, um, it was motivating, uh, but also very humbling at the same time. Yeah. Um, but even though I, you, it's the black belt, but you still haven't really started learning yet. Right. Because you just started having fun. And everything starts, you know, meshing together. It starts, you know, it becomes kind of playing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, it was an honor to, you know, to uh, be promoted by Ricardo and be part of his lineage. And so, and then pass it down the line. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's an honor to have you as my professor, well, too. Thank so you. I appreciate thank it. You. All right, last question. All right. Very important. If you, Anthony, were going to put a billboard up, and millions of people were going to see that billboard every single day. What would you put on it? Hmm. I think I put give 110% and then some. Give 110% and then some. There's always, you can always give more. Mm. Always give more. Even if it's just a little tiny just, bit. Just a little bit. Uh, in the Ranger community, you know, we say 110% and then some. You give it everything you've got. And, um, you know, if it's just one step forward, if it's, you know, doing the bear crawls, yeah. if it's just one step forward, then rest. If it's just one more, can I, you know, um, do one more thing better mm. and just, just drive, just continue. Don't let nothing stop you. Mm. Just 110%. Give it everything you have, whatever it is. If it's grocery shopping, if it's, um, your day-to-day -day work, if it's filing papers, do it to your best of your ability. Yeah. Give everything you have. Because that way, when you give it 110%, now your new 110% is going to be something totally different. Because mm. you went past it. Yes. Because you gave it all. Okay, hey, I didn't die. I woke up the next morning. I can give more now. Mm. Now you're giving 110% more that next day. And it just I believe it just continues to go drive forward. Yeah. It compounds and aggregates yeah. over time. Absolutely. 100%. Give it everything you've got. Beautiful. Don't, don't fail. Yeah. And if you fail, learn from it. Reset. Give 110% again. Right. Any, anything else? Last minute thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, final notes, anecdotes, <laughs> shout outs? Um, oh, man. Um, no, hey, just um, give it everything you have. If you need help, reach out. Um, I know I just had um, a ranger. Um, I, I wasn't familiar with him, but uh, I know he just um, took his life. My um, ranger buddy, I think four four months ago, took his life. Um, never feel that you're alone. Mm -hmm. There's always people out there with an ear. Um, you know, it is okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It is okay to cry. Um, whether it's you know something that happened or you just may need to cry. Um, you know, just don't think you're less of a person. Mm -hmm. or you're less of a man or anything like that because sometimes you know letting that out um helps you cleans everything and you know you look at you know your next day better mm -hmm. you know? and people are there for you absolutely so yeah 
I couldn't have uh, said that any better or ended yeah. this this episode in a better way. Yeah. So thank you, Professor. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Yeah. And thanks for everyone for, for listening or watching. And yeah. uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to that episode with Professor Anthony. What idea resonated with you most deeply? What was your biggest takeaway from that episode? For me, it was the idea that discipline is mandatory. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And of course, give us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. And stay up to date on all things by subscribing to our newsletter at AaronMashbits.com. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon directly supports me, this podcast, and you are loved. So click the link in the show notes. But most importantly, above all else, please Take good care of yourselves and others, and I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.